Hi everyone, this is Maxine Ryan with Prosper Podcast and today's special guest is community leader Red from Harvest Finance, who's going to be talking to us all about DeFi and everything we need to know to get started. We're also going to be getting a live demo of Harvest Finance's new platform so we can have a step-by-step view of how to make yield farming work for us. Red, welcome to Prosper Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm super excited about this, but first, before we get started, why Red? (laughs) How did that name come about? Like, why is everybody in DeFi completely anonymous? Tell me all about it. It's so funny. Everybody asks me about that. Um, It actually goes back 20 years or so, um, like the early, early internet days when I was just a young punk on chat forums. And that just happened to be one of my chat handles and it's carried over through like my gaming. I like the game or I used to like the game, my PC game a little bit with friends. And so it's just a really old chat handle that's carried all throughout the years. And so I still happen to use it today. Um, in, in terms of um, like the pseudo anonymity, cause I've done like on camera podcasts before. Um, so I'm not a hundred percent anonymous, but I think just in crypto, it's just, almost like a a second life kind of thing, especially when you're hanging out in in these communities, like a majority of people, not just developers themselves, but people that participate in these chat rooms are, you know, hidden by, um, you know, these these pseudo uh, identities, right? So um, it's pretty prevalent um, within the sphere. And then in terms of like, maybe the developers themselves, I'm not a a core developer. I'm just a guy who showed up to Harvest Finance one day, (laughs) Um, very interested in the protocol because I'm a yield farmer. And they were, they're an aggregator. So I said, oh, okay, if somebody can do this kind of automatically for me, this is great. I was hanging out in their chat room, answering questions. And I'm like, hey, do you guys need help in here? Because they were kind of like mm-hmm. a brand new startup. And they're like, oh, sure. And then I would just help you out in chat. And I've now been there for eight months. And I kind of have a bunch more responsibilities, one of them being talking on podcasts. Um, so it's just kind of the, the very cool aspect of crypto. But um, just going back to like the anonymity, even from like the developer side, um, you know, just like thinking about Satoshi and BTC, it's supposed to be about the protocol and decentralization and not necessarily one person, you know, like with Ethereum, it, it can be very thought of of being Vitalik, but there's so many other people's contributing to Ethereum so much more than just, you know, Vitalik himself. And so, you know, part of that's kind of why the the anonymity um, into some of these protocols, it's, hey, we're in a decentralized world. It's not about a central person or party. It should be about the community and the governance and what's on the blockchain itself should be Mm. what's trusted not Absolutely. some guy sitting in a business suit and has a nice tie and there's a beautiful looking website. Oh, I'm going to throw all my money at this. <laughs> and it could just be some scammer just because he has a nice you know, picture on a website. So it's yeah. all about what's on the blockchain and what the code is. That's like the true nature of decentralization and blockchain. So again, who is redemption or who is these core developers behind um, Harvest Finance or their what their true names are? It doesn't matter. Again, it's ultimately what is the code? What is the code doing? Is my money safe respective to the code? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love like kind of this new progress that we're seeing where people understand that you no longer need a face. Like you just look at what it is in itself. Um, and I think it like requires people to have more critical thinking about what they're putting their money into. Um, but something you just said was super interesting to me. Were you doing yield farming manually before it was all automated? Yeah. I mean, a lot of farming is still very manual, right? So, um, 
you know, kind of the yield farming craze or like fair launch um, that helped kick off like yield farming is something very popular was kind of like YFI, you know, how I heard about it. And, you know, there's some balancer pools and other stuff going on, but, you know, YFI is kind of what the lit the fire for everybody. Um, and then you just had yield farms all over the place, but part of that is which one's safe. Um, you know, then I have to, you know, do all these steps myself to, uh, to actually achieve APY means you have to compound your rewards, right? So there's steps that go into, you know, gathering your rewards, selling them for money, redepositing them into the original currency that you put them into, and then to actually compound your amount to get your, the, the amount that everybody's showing on their websites. APY yeah. is the figure kind of everybody shows in, in DeFi, but if you're not actually compounding, you're actually only getting AP, APR, and there is actually a huge difference between those two figures. And so, we will get into all of that. Um, yep. Yeah, the thing is, like, guys, anybody who's listening to this, this is meant to be just for like basic beginners. Um, we're going to be walking you through everything, and you know, all these terms that Reds just used, we're going to be explaining exactly what they mean. Um, but you know, why don't we paint the landscape a little bit? What is the history of DeFi and yield farming? Um, do you want to kind of explain like how that concept really started? Because I know that a lot of people are confused. Are they like, is Bitcoin DeFi? Is Ethereum DeFi? Is it programmable money? Like there's all these terms that I think are very new um, to the concept. So yeah, what's the history of DeFi? What is it exactly? And then we can go into what yield farming is. Yeah, like, I mean, decentralized finance is just the concept of being able to, you know, leverage, you know, these financial tools or, you know, financial asset outside of like your traditional fiat centralized systems, right, where it's all controlled by banks. Um, and it's very like obscure, and you kind of don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And, you know, and so that's kind of why you had like the rise of like Bitcoin initially and having this peer to peer money system, um, you know, and then you had almost in a sense, this evolution where now you have programmable money in like Ethereum, where not only do you have this, this store of value, what, what Bitcoin is, um, you can also now create programs almost like akin to like the Apple store or an operating system where, where you can now write a code and there's actually a program running on top of like Bitcoin, right? But it's actually on Ethereum. So now instead of just being able to spend this currency, now you have like this little ecosystem building on top of the currency, right? And so that's kind of like what decentralized finance is. People have built uh, monetary exchanges. Um, you have, you know, yield farming, um, aggregating protocols like Harvest Finance. You have um, futures protocols and derivatives protocols being built up. So now that not only do you have decentralized money, you have a way to make in decentralized systems or programs that just live on the internet and there's no one person controlling them, you've now can in instance like make a casino mm. that has no, you know, governmental restrictions in a sense, because again, it lives on the internet and the internet has no boundaries, right? And now it also incorporates money that doesn't have a governmental boundary because again, it, it's money that lives on the internet. So now you've just almost like taken Las Vegas global in an instant. <laughs> and then it's also on the blockchain. So you have fairness. It's not obscure. Like I was mentioning before, in like the, the fiat systems where you have some government or the Federal Reserve or whatever it is, and they have these weird rules and you have no idea what that means. Whereas like blockchain, it's 
all 100% living on the, the, the blockchain and code, you can see what it is. And so with systems like a casino, you can know, oh, if I'm betting on red 27 and roulette, it's going to be fair because I can see how the system determined that within the blockchain, right? So yeah. again, that's where if something becomes very cool. It becomes not just money, the systems also become provably fair. It's um, it's an equalizer, right? It's it's an equalizer for people to access, um, you know, financial services and products that aren't built by a government or a centralized function, and it's more of a decentralized function, um, which I love. And yeah, what what are the layers of DeFi? Would you say like we have, you know, at first we had like the rise of centralized crypto exchanges. Now we see more and more decentralized crypto exchanges. Um, how does like how does does yield farming at all affect that? Like, what are the different layers of DeFi? Would you say that are interconnected? Yeah. So yield farming. So all yield farming is is essentially a user trying to put their crypto to work um, by using different platforms that offer rewards for providing liquidity to that platform. So you mentioned a decentralized exchange is a great example. So as I said before, um, DeFi or blockchain, they're essentially just these um, programs or code that lives on the internet. But if it's an exchange, like when you walk into a bank today with USD, US dollars and you wanna go on a trip to Europe, go into a bank. Oh, Mr. Banker, please give me some euros. Here's my money. Well, Mr. Banker has euros sitting behind the counter because he's a giant pool of liquidity, you know, a bunch of investors and, you know, the Federal Reserve, whatever it is, he's got a big pile of money behind him. Well, code that lives on the internet doesn't have a big pile of money. These decentralized exchanges rely on people like you and me who have cryptocurrency to come and provide liquidity, almost acting like that bank but all your pooled money together, if I'm depositing $5,000, somebody else is depositing $100,000, it's all pooling together, all in mass. And now there may be $5 million in US and $5 million in euros. And so now an exchange can be um, conducted on the internet with just code using algorithms with no central bankers having to sit there and process this. So imagine just the ramifications of, you know, not having to pay like employees necessarily or, or having this huge giant overhead. Now your exchange fees, cause like if you ever converted USD to, to euros, you're getting gouged by the bank, probably paying some like 10 or 15% fee and conversion rates. Or if you do at the airport, even worse, right? Mm-hmm. On these decentralized exchanges, like 0.125%, right? Just yeah. fraction, fraction, fraction. So, so, okay. So going back to you provide liquidity, me or you provide liquidity to these exchanges and to entice you into doing that, these programs, these decentralized exchanges give you reward tokens um, that are linked to their program, which maybe give you a cut of that 0.125% that's charged for every um, exchange that's conducted through their platform, right? So it's basically like a service fee for providing liquidity to an exchange. Yes, exactly. And what you can do with those tokens is I can either hold on to them because I feel like they're going to have value over the long term, or you can just immediately sell them and then uh, compound, like I was kind of mentioning before, if I if I deposit US dollars with that exchange and they give me gobbledygook token, you know, whatever you want to call it, I sell that back to US dollar coins 
and then redeposit it back, now I'm earning on $5,500 instead of just the $500 that I was putting in there, whatever it was, right? That, so I'm, go ahead. That, yeah, sorry, that's super interesting. Um, I, I guess like when I'm thinking about this, is the liquidity just there to provide for certain markets of newer coins? Or is it being used to provide liquidity for like certain projects? No, it's um, so like an exchange like Uniswap, you know, this is a decentralized exchange. So literally anybody or any project can launch a token, then come to Uniswap and create their own liquidity pool without ever needing to say, hey, Uniswap, please list me. All it is mm. is code. So you create your own liquidity pool. You add your gobbledygook token plus, you know, Ethereum on the other side, equal parts in balance in the pool. So then somebody can come in and say, oh, here's my Ethereum. I'll trade that for gobbledygook token or here's yeah. my gobbledygook token. I'll trade that for Ethereum. And because you have it in a pool and equal balance, there's just an algorithm that's helping determine what the price is. And it goes deeper into that without explaining that. But again, that's where you're kind of cutting out this bank and middleman where all you kind of need to do is know how to interact with the code and then you can plug into it. And that's how this decentralized or DeFi is growing so big because anybody who knows how to write this code can kind of join this financial revolution. You don't need some uh, license from the, a government or you don't need to be an institutional grade investor to, that's only applicable to 0.1% of the population. Anybody who's got a dollar in their pocket yeah. can pretty much come and be part of this. And that's what's so amazing, right? It doesn't matter what country you're in. Anybody can do this because it's on the internet. I love that because um, basically when I started in crypto in like 2014, I saw that there was like this peak that was happening where a lot of projects couldn't get launched because you were at the behest of centralized exchanges where you had to pay this enormous fee to be able to get listed on there. And what I'm hearing is that with DEXs is that as long as you can provide liquidity and it's sourced decentralized, as it's, uh, sorry, it's a decentralized source of liquidity, it kind of means that it's an equal and fair way for people to list their projects. Oh yeah, most definitely. Uniswap um, and like SushiSwap, they've definitely taken a huge bite out of the players like Binance is, is who you kind of said where kind of the gatekeepers to giving legitimacy to a project or giving any kind of liquidity. But now you can completely sidestep that and say, day one of my project, it's listed. Anybody can get their hands on it. And the volumes that they're doing are, you know, equal if or, or not more than what Binance is doing, right? So it just yeah. shows you, you don't need a central party as this technology has really evolved and grown just over the past couple of years has taken such a life of its own. And, you know, Uniswap and these sushi swaps are perfect examples of we can cut out these central parties and here is perfect proof of that. Yeah, and I think, one of the best parts about this is that we still have this great overflow of projects that are constantly getting launched every single day. And it's back in the true spirit of, I think, cryptocurrency. Um, you know, one of the great things about this space is that you do get like a huge amount of projects being built every single day. And you also get a huge die off of these projects as well. But what it does is that it advances, I guess, this community, it advances everything that we're 
that we're uh, building for. Um, so what is DeFi built on? You know, you're saying that it's built on a blockchain and people provide liquidity on exchanges. Um, is this, is like being able to yield farm, is this mainly happening on the Ethereum blockchain or is it happening on other blockchains too? Yeah, there's other blockchains. Ethereum's kind of where the majority of the activity is happening. Um, but Ethereum needs to go through its next evolution to scale to all the attention it's gotten, right? Mm. It's almost like you have a really popular freeway, everybody's wanting to use it, but there's a lot of traffic on it. And there's so much traffic sometimes that it's almost like unusable, right? So it, it needs to scale. And so that's coming um, within the relative future, but there's other like competitor chains that are rising up or what's called like side chains, um, Matic uh, or now known as Polygon. Um, they're kind of like a photocopy of Ethereum, but they've taken some liberties, I think in some areas is the easy way to say, to speed up their transaction flow. So there's almost like this, um, small migration of projects are almost again forking or it's called forking but it's basically just photocopying the project code and moving it over to polygon so they'll exist on ethereum in addition to polygon but they're able to use the speed of polygon but then again there's other chains that are popping up promising you know bigger better faster whatever it is but ultimately all the development um, of all the projects that you really know about in terms of DeFi, like Aave, um, YFI, Harvest Finance, all built on Ethereum or their base of operations um, is on Ethereum because that's really the one that's shown um, the vetting of you know, blockchain technology, aside from like Bitcoin, right? Everybody knows about Bitcoin. Bitcoin's the, the original, the store of value, gold. But when you're talking about like smart contracts and being able to run these decentralized applications, Ethereum is where it's currently at. Right. And, um, you know, I, I know that people from, I guess, like an outside point of view, probably feel that this is quite complicated to get involved in. Um, do you want to just run through, I know you already did before, but maybe run into, run through more detail, like how exactly somebody gets into yield farming. So the step-by-steps -step they would take, um, are people able to make money on DeFi? Um, is it still like lucrative? Yeah, um, most definitely. So one thing is like, a, you know, disclaimers all over the place. This is not <laughs> investment <laughs> advice. This is, you know, straight up educational information. So there's the potential to make money, but you, I also really need to highlight like what the risks are, right? And Absolutely. Uh, the metaphor I use is the, this is the wild west gold rush, you know, stay, you know, if you move West, you can stake your claim on free property and there's gold in the rivers and blah, blah, blah. But there was also <laughs> robbers and snake oil salesmen and it was very perilous times, right? And so that's kind of like what this is, or, you know, even if you can make it to like the, the dot-com boom or the dot-com bubble, right? Like there was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of money to be made. Mark Cuban made his money in the dot-com bubble, but then the bubble, bubble popped, right? And there was a lot of, you know, technological grind and hurdles to overcome before the internet became something really awesome. And I almost think that's where like we're in the phase and with crypto is um, still really teething and trying to find its its true ground. Um, so there are very cool products in DeFi that can be leveraged and that you can potentially make some good money on. But there's 
just as many, if not more, scams popping up, trying to capitalize on the fact that people are making good projects and people are just blindly jumping into some large percentage they see on the screen. Yeah, right? I mean, that's really similar to like uh, back in 2017 with ICOs. Or, sorry, yeah, IPO. Oh, no, ICOs. Yeah, initial coin Yeah, offerings. ICOs. Yeah, yep. ICOs. Like everybody was essentially just being like, wow, like let's jump into this. But a lot of people got burnt. Yep. And this is almost worse though, because so ICOs were in, in a sense very bad because it was somebody saying, here's a promise, here's a white paper, I promise to build this, give me your very valuable Ethereum and I'll give you the gobbledygook token, right? And you have no idea if they're actually gonna deliver on that promise. And then sometimes, or the majority of times, the projects would keep 70% of the tokens and give you 30%, let you jack up the prices on exchanges and then they would go dump their 70% and they're all rich and you're, and you're now holding some junk worthless token, right? So fair, um, yield farming and kind of this idea of fair launch came where, hey, you don't need to surrender your Ethereum and trade for some gobbledygook token. If you, again, simply provide liquidity at the exchange and help the system run, then in addition to essentially getting your money back plus some reward tokens, that's the benefit, right? So you're not surrendering your money or trading your money for that gobbledygook token, you're getting it in addition to. And so that was kind of like the, the premise of fair launch and yield farming. Mm. But the risk there is if you go and deposit your liquidity at some exchange that really is just some hacker that has a drain code in the exchange, it says basically transfer all funds to this other wallet. And that happens pretty much once or twice a week. That's the danger now with these yield farming is, oh, hey, you'll get 10,000% um, APY if you deposit your US dollars with me. Somebody comes stumbles in just blindly based on that percent, deposit their $10,000, and then it gets stolen by you know the people who wrote that code maliciously. Yeah. So yeah. That was a very good overview of the risks involved. Um, but, you know, if like after everybody's heard all of that and they still want to get involved, what would you say is the entry level um, to get involved on like the education side, but then also on the capital side? Sure. So there's, there's kind of a, if you're initially just coming to crypto, the, the easiest way most people find it, like if you're stateside like myself, is going to coinbase.com. Um, I think they pretty much like have a banking license, very reputable in the States. Um, they're basically like, again, if you think of um, an exchange from US dollars to euros, they're basically just US dollars to cryptocurrency. So if you just want to kind of dip your toe in the, the world of cryptocurrency, you go to coinbase.com, you connect your bank account, basically say, I want to buy $500 of Bitcoin, or I want to buy $500 of Ethereum. And you can then simply be a holder of Ethereum for $500. Yield farming is then just taking that Ethereum that you bought, and instead of just it sitting stagnantly in your wallet, waiting for it to go up in value, you can also say, hey, I'll go put it in one of these decentralized exchanges. I know it's quote unquote safe there based on the reputation of the exchange. So not only will I have $500 in Ethereum, I'll also be getting back some of these exchange reward tokens, right? So once you take get your $500 converted to Ethereum on Coinbase, you'll want to move it over into your own wallet mm -hmm. because 
Coinbase is a centralized exchange. So you want to, in a sense, uh, minimize your interaction with that exchange, just buy your Ethereum and then move it into your own personal wallet. So there's a program called MetaMask, um, which is essentially just creates you a um, wallet on the blockchain, like the Ethereum blockchain, and it's in your web browser. So like if you have Firefox or you know Google Chrome, whatever it is, it's just a little program that sits up in the corner of your, your browser. You can click and open it anytime. There's an address for your wallet in there. And so you'd be at Coinbase and just say, send in Coinbase my Ethereum to this address, which you would copy and paste out of your MetaMask wallet. And then within like 30 minutes, your Ethereum will now be displayed within your MetaMask wallet. And now it's all in 100% your control. And that's mm -hmm. kind of like the other risk you want to point out to users on, the, on blockchain. Every decision is permanent. So if you mispaste an address or you miss key something, you need to be very careful when you're moving money around um, because there is no customer service to say, oops, I miss set my money yeah. here. Can you help please, <laughs> please reverse sir, it? send it yeah, back. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, so this is, that's one of the, like the hurdles I think that crypto needs to get over is kind of that challenge and that kind of our interactions and in, with the, the user interface called UX, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, we need to help Aunt Matilda not be able to screw up and send her money into oblivion, right? Because that's not very usable for the world, right? Um, so just putting that disclaimer out there a little bit. So ultimately, you get your, you take your USD, get it converted to Ethereum at Coinbase, send that Ethereum to your personal wallet in MetaMask, which is very easy to do. Quick uh, clicks to set up. I have a little user guide I can link everybody back to, and then now you just want to decide, okay what, where do I want to put my Ethereum? Yeah. So me personally read, I'm with Harvest Finance. And so Harvest Finance is a yield aggregator. So what that means is if there's <clears throat> a thousand different yield farms out there, there's, you know, a hundred uh, decentralized exchanges. And then, you know, there's uh, another one that's a lending platform, you know, and then there's, you know, just all these various different types of platforms that you can provide liquidity to. You're sitting there, scratch your head, which ones do I provide liquidity to and which ones are safe? I have no idea what's going on. Well, a yield aggregator like Harvest Finance basically goes out and looks for all those farms for you reads through the code to try to make sure that they're safe and then deploys them all within their umbrella or their website. So you kind of have it all in one list and say, okay, I have US dollar coins. I can bring that to Harvest Finance. And with a couple clicks, I can be earning, like right now it's um, almost 7%, seven percent, mm seven -hmm. times what any you know, fiat bank would offer you what Bank of America or Wells Fargo would ever offer you, right? They offer you maybe like 0.75 on your, your savings account money. So even with the most simplest of deposits, you can be making 7%. And some of these strategies I'm looking at have a 40% return. So imagine that 40 times what you can ever be making. And this is just very passive, simple income. You don't need to um, do any interactions the kind of slogan of harvest is we do the hard work for you. <laughs> so it would be yeah. just as simple as if somebody got these dollar coins um, at Coinbase, they don't even want to necessarily hold the volatile asset that's Ethereum. You can just buy digital dollars, transfer those to your MetaMask wallet, 
and then put them in a harvest finance, again, the 7%. Or you can use the Ethereum and do a little bit more complex strategy, which I can walk through in the demo as well, um, to show you how you can do like double earning on your money and, and kind of what's called money Legos. So there's all these different kind of complex things that you can do that Can't can definitely wait. get you potential earning on your money. So yeah, we can walk that, through some of these things. That would be amazing. Um, so I guess you already answered my question about um, you know, somebody has their Ethereum, they're ready to go to become a liquidity provider. They would go to a yield farming aggregate like um, Harvest Finance. Is that correct? And Harvest Finance essentially just has all of the projects that they've done, I guess, a certain amount of due diligence on that they kind of give almost like a stamp of approval um, to say, yeah, like we're backing these guys. Um, would you like how many of those projects would you say are like have potential to be scams themselves? Like how far does the due diligence that um, Harvest Finance does, how, how far does that go? So the there's certain things like, so ultimately the credibility of a project doesn't matter. It goes back to the code itself, right? Mm. So what um, the term is called like a vault, right? So anytime you deposit your money somewhere, your money's going into a vault. And so what Harvest Finance is doing is they're looking to see what the code around that vault says. And a lot of people, when they're deploying their yield farms, they basically photocopy um, like each other's vaults. Um, so you can almost give the signal safety to say, hey, I've, I'm using these compound vaults, these maker mm. vaults that everybody agrees is are, are well built and there's nothing tricky. So you can kind of look at the code and it, it and we're good to go, right? So that's kind of what Harvest Finance is looking for. Again, we're not looking at the guy in the t in the nice slick suit on his website, right? <laughs> they don't matter. We're looking at the code. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're looking at the code and say, is there any way that a, an administrator can drain this vault or is something funky with the way that their programming is um, could cause somebody to, you know, trick the platform or whatever it is, right? So there is a, a certain amount of due diligence, but it, we can't be perfect. And that's kind of uh, one of the other known risks of DeFi. It's called um, money Legos or composability risk. When two different systems interact, kind of like chemistry, you mix two chemicals, something un unexpected may happen, right? So, uh, you know, Harvest Finance does these due diligence and, and looking at the code, looking at the vaults to make sure that there's not these um, very explicit black back doors where they can take all the money away, um, these other, you know, malicious developers. So, yeah, we try to give it this soft stamp of approval. Mm -hmm. And then also the majority of the, the vaults, the strategies that are deployed are pretty credible projects, like the newest vault strategies we deployed are, are with Uniswap, right? So um, again, one of the most well-known um, projects in all of crypto, they're not going to steal your money, right? So mm -hmm. as long as they're not is uh, not a complete break in any of the code that Harvest itself writes to interact with Uniswap, you know, your money has that relative safety of, again, code being vetted by, you know, multiple auditors. I think we've almost had five different audits or six different audits um, conducted on our code. The last one just being done in February of this year. So, you know, there are a bunch of things that can be done 
to try to assure a user's safety, but when you're earning 50%, 50 times what a bank is giving you, that's kind of the, the risk offset, right? Yeah. The potential return is so much higher. You just have to, you know, don't put little Johnny's college account in here, right? <laughs> like this is very, you know, this is very risky stuff, you know? So you have to be, you know, willing to lose everything that you're putting in here because again, you can make 50 fold return compared to what traditional finance is offering today. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, when we jump into the demo later on, I know that you're going to be using certain terms that maybe the listeners aren't that familiar with. Um, you know, what is APY? Why should we care about it? What are some other, I guess, terms or indicators that uh, new farmers should be aware of? Sure. So, um, APY, um, your annual um, percentage compounded over a year, is different than, say, APR, which is like your annual percentage rate, but it's all on the base amount. So if you deposit $5,000 somewhere and you're earning APR, it's always on the $5,000. So even if you make $100 on that $5,000, you're still earning on that $5,000 mm -hmm. versus APY moves the $100 over into the $5,000 pile to then increase your earning power to start earning on $5,100 as opposed to just $5,000, right? And so your growth, you know, grows exponentially once you start continuously stacking rewards over a year and compounding versus just literally earning on the same amount, that same stagnant $5,000. And so that's what like a yield aggregator like Harvest Finance does is if you're an individual farmer, you went to a decentralized exchange, deposit your $5,000, they hand you your gobbledygook tokens. But at that point, again, you have to make the decision, what do I do with these? Do I just hold on to them or do I sell them? Harvest Finance makes the decision to say, I'm selling them to perform the compounding. So now you can start earning on 5,100 instead of 5,000. And that's where these percentages come from. If you went into like, you know, just go to Google and do APR versus APY, and you typed in a percentage of like 15% APR, you know, that may actually, but if you actually do compounding, that could turn into like 22%, right? So, you know, there's a lot more, um, potential when using these yield aggregators. Again, if you deposit Ethereum, that's what you're going to get more in as opposed to if you go to the centralized exchange or decentralized exchange yourself and deposit Ethereum, you're going to come back with Ethereum, the same amount, plus your gobbledygook tokens. To me, you know, if I'm depositing Ethereum, I just want to get as much Ethereum back as I can, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's what the that's what APY is, is create putting that deposit and anything you earn flows back into that deposit. So then you just, your earning power grows stronger and stronger on that amount. That's great. And um, what are, would you say that that's the main indicator that people should be aware of? Are there any others? So, well, I think it's, it's a main indicator that people need to be aware of because again, if you go to a farm yourself, that's not an aggregator, they're still showing you an APY because the APY is the sexy number. It's the bigger mm -hmm. number, right? And so they, it's, you know, it's very misleading when you go to some of these decentralized exchanges and they say, Hey, you're going to get 75% APY. But if you're not selling those mat that those rewards and taking those extra steps, which actually can cost uh, money, 
it, you know, if there's a traffic jam on the Ethereum network, you sometimes the transactions can spike up to a hundred to five hundred dollars per transaction. Imagine if you're only trying to sell a hundred dollars worth of rewards and it costs you three hundred dollars <laughs> to do it, right? So, you know, these aggregators, they're, they're, it's like it's almost like carpooling, right? Mm -hmm. All your money's joined together. You know, even if it costs three hundred dollars to do the reward compounding function, well, now that three hundred dollars split over a thousand different people because you're a card pool together within the aggregator. So not only does it do all the steps for you automatically, it saves you money, and then also gives you a little bit more assurance to say, you know, why would this protocol list a bunch of scam farms? It's also going to give itself a bad reputation, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, there's a, a couple more factors why you should use an aggregator as, a, as kind of like a new player into the system, right? Because you're not just going to have to deal with um, gaining some of these gobbledygook tokens that may ultimately be worthless. Harvest will just sell them instantly for you so you can get more Ethereum or you can get more U US dollar coins. Um, so again, just kind of pointing back to that's why users should use Harvest Finance to, so they can actually get that APY. And that's why they should understand those two terms and then ultimately understand, yeah, you when you're farming these tokens, the really next thing is, is what is your decision with those tokens? Are you, yeah. Is your intent to hold on to them um, because you believe in that project or are you just there trying to chase that APY? If you're trying to get that percentage rate, that ultimately means that you need to sell them, right? Because that percentage is dependent on that token's valuation at that given time. And if you see a lot of these tokens that pop up overnight or these projects that pop overnight, it's basically like a 24 hour life cycle <laughs> and their price shoots, shoots up <laughs> and then crashes way back down. So all of a sudden that 7,000% APY actually became 0.7%, right? Mm. And it was, and then all the fees that you paid to jump in there and in and out, you actually paid more to try to farm than you actually got, right? Yeah, so, so there is a bit of juggling involved. Like you do have to look at like the data and information, all of the projects that you are, I guess, providing liquidity for. Um, and you, it, uh, what is automated has been automated, but there is still, I think, a bit of juggling that's required. Yeah, and so that's why, again, going to an aggregator like Harvest, it's literally, we try mm -hmm. to be at this one click solution. You come there and say, which coin do I have my wallet? Harvest has a list of over a hundred different strategies or basically a hundred different coin combinations that you can deposit with them. Deposit, click, you're earning. And then the only the other other step that you need to do is click click exit and get your and get your bigger pile of money back, right? Like high uh, just think of it as ultra high powered savings account <laughs> for cryptocurrency, right? Yeah. And so that's where we make it simple for users, but it can be very complex if you try to do individual farming yourself. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I have a question here about what the common mistakes new farmers make, but I think you've already like covered a lot about managing risk, which is probably the largest mistake people do is that they put like little Johnny's college fund in there. Don't do that guys. <laughs> um, but, you know, before we get into the demo, uh, like, I'm really excited to take a look at this, but how mature is yield farming? Um, we know that, you know, when the crypto markets are at 
all-time highs or like a bull market. Um, there is a lot of like money and interest kind of floating around and you do get a lot of returns for just whatever you're doing, whether that just be like buying tokens or yield, um, yeah, yield farming. Uh, what does this, what, what do the returns look like on this on, in a bear market? So that's actually a great question because we're in a bear market right now. Um, you know, prices are coming down a little bit um, across the board. So like even, um, you know, some of these strategies like right now, you know, 7% on just basic USDC deposits, digital dollar deposits up to um, there's a little bit more complex um, digital dollars that you have to jump through a couple hoops to get through. And I'm, I'm going to walk through that one today, um, but that one's getting you up to 40% um, return on your digital dollar. I think that was, was up to 70% um, is like kind of like this peak of the recent bull market that just kind of tapered off. Um, so you can see even in a quote unquote bullish market right now, um, you know, let, let's be honest, even if you're getting 3%, that's still three times <laughs> so what a bank was getting you, right? Like, yeah. you, you know, so, so I think ultimately is it, you know, you're going back to the maturity. I think yes, the because the products are still maturing, and there's so many new innovative projects coming to fruition, and this is a very good way for them to bootstrap themselves. Because again, traditional world, you need, you know, you need licenses, and you have to find angel investors, and you know, you have to do all this gamesmanship to just to try to launch your product. But mm -hmm. here in crypto, again, just going back to write the code is your product like needed and innovative right and you have a little bit of salesmanship but ultimately then deploy and will it prove itself right and and that's kind of what's happening right now is again you've now opened this huge door to the entire world that anybody with a great idea you know and that can do some code or hire somebody to write the code for them can now basically start up a business overnight and and, and instantly bootstrap themselves, right? Like that's that's amazing. Um, so, you know, again, going back to, yes, the, the viability is there because there's so many projects, you know, starting up, they're offering new tokens and you can basically just point, harvest finance can say, okay, you're offering these tokens. We'll write a strategy that allows us to take users USDC coins to move over to this new farm that's popping up and we'll start collecting on those tokens. And as long as DeFi continues to grow in which everybody believes it is because this is such like a burgeoning technology, that means yield farming will continue to exist having great returns that they do today. That's awesome. Let's jump into the demo. So uh, Red's actually gonna be uh, sharing with us, I guess, two points of view um, when looking at this, uh, when, when we're considering yield farming. Um, the first one is like from a completely basic level. And if I understand correctly, um, the second point of view is kind of like when you're a little more seasoned. Yep, exactly. So can you see my screen? Yes, I can. Okay, awesome. So this is the Harvest Finance um, website. Um, so basically just, you know, so the information out here is showing we almost have $300 million in deposits um, here at Harvest, um, generating about almost $2 million in profits to depositors. Um, just information about the token itself and some of the earnings. 
but really what um, you know, farmers want to know is, you know, what, what are the returns? What are the various options that I have that I can deposit here at Harvest Finance, right? Um, so just kind of looking through the list, we start with our newest um, kind of assets that we've listed, which are Uniswap. And so um, these are kind of some more of the advanced um, strategies, and I won't necessarily go into these today, um, but you can um, when depositing like a pair of two different assets um, via Uniswap, you know, you can earn up to, let's say here, 53%, 72% um, on some of these, right? Um, you know, scrolling down, um, all of the rest of the strategies we have are kind of collected into these various um, different strategy care categories. So stable coins, meaning um, coins that are pegged to the value of a dollar um, or even um, euros. Um, but basically all these are different variations of like a US dollar coin. And they all have their own various different earning rates because some of these have um, different complexities to use or maybe mm. just different risk factors, right? So the very basic one I was mentioning earlier is the US dollar coin. You can simply go straight to coinbase.com, as I was saying, get a thousand or $500, whatever it is, convert that to US dollars, digital dollars, get that to your MetaMask wallet. You would expand here. Um, and I can actually just walk through that and show you how easy it is real quick. So um, awesome. just assuming everybody kind of has, um, you know, MetaMask already set up. And just to kind of show you, I have, um, you know, an article here, I can give the link back to everybody, but this kind of would just walk you through end to end, um, you know, everything from, you know, setting up uh, MetaMask in your Google Chrome, got you a bunch of links here, how to create a Coinbase setup. Um, showing you everything you need to get all this fun stuff set up, even buying over Coinbase. But awesome. once you do have that um, USDC coin um, in your wallet, you just want to connect. Every time you do the website, it's going to ask you, hey, let's connect. Mm -hmm. So you want to tell them I'm on the Ethereum network. I'm connecting, connecting to my MetaMask wallet. And so you can see now it connect over here. Sometimes this little pop-up box will come up here and ask you to enter your password to unlock your wallet. Mine was already kind of unlocked, so it automatically connected. Um, but so you're not missing anything there. So now it's connected to my wallet um, that I'm gonna walk through with. Um, and so now you're saying, oh, okay, I have these US digital dollar um, tokens in my wallet. So I kind of scroll down in the list to find where my asset is. Oh, here they are. <laughs> and it's saying, okay, Red, you have um, $2,800 in your wallet, um, you know, and you can make 6.83% on these assets. He's like, great. Okay. Red, it's going to deposit $1,000, um, into harvest finance, click deposit. One thing uh, I do should, should take a, take a step back. Anytime you're interacting on any of these blockchain networks, there is a transaction fee that's charged by the network. So this is not a fee charged by Harvest Finance. It's called an Ethereum gas fee. Mm -hmm. Even if you have Bitcoin, anytime you send Bitcoin from one person to another, you may have to pay a very small fraction of Bitcoin, you know, like $5, $10, whatever it is. So even if you're only using USDC coin, you do need to have a little bit of Ethereum as well in your wallet. Anytime you're doing anything on the Ethereum blockchain, um, to pay for those network transaction fees. So I, I would um, just 
want to point out, and that is mentioned in the tutorial guide, is when you are going to do this, if you were just going to be happy to do the USDC, you know, maybe buy yourself, you know, 25 to $50 of Ethereum as well. And they're going to the same exact wallet address as you were sending the dollar coins to. Yeah. So just want to put that out there to make sure everybody understands it. So again, so Red's going to put his $1,000 in, clicks deposit. What happens is, and now it's asked me, are you going to allow Harvest Finance to interact with your U.S. dollars? And you have to tell it, yes, sir, I will. <laughs> What's this? Um, I see this little tick box next to stake re rewards. What happens if you untick that? Okay. So what happens is the assumption is you're going to kind of stay within the Harvest Finance ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And so they'll stake you a little bit bonus earning power. And this is showing you the, the full, let me let this go through while I'm talking. So this is showing you like the full earning power. Um, oh, why is it freaking out? It's all good. It's probably just taking some time. Yeah, I don't think, I don't normally use Firefox and I think it's locking up a little bit. We'll okay, so you see when I float over here, it kind mm -hmm. of breaks down the percentage. Okay, so like on this one, I think it's only... I think this one pays you like five and a half percent. And then the other half of a percent um, is in farm rewards if you keep your assets staked within the ecosystem. An advanced user could potentially take that. Um, it's kind of like a voucher um, that's not staked when you unclick that box and take it to somewhere else, deposit uh. it there and then earn on top of that as well. So you right? can jump farms essentially. Yeah, so, so it's called like money Legos, right? So it's that yeah. composability is you deposit one asset here, they kind of kick you back a voucher claim token um, for your assets deposited, and then you can deposit that somewhere else and then they'll give you something and then you can <laughs> deposit that somewhere else. So there is like layers that you can stack these and earn, you know, 7% with us and then 8% somewhere else and then blah, 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 blah. And I was actually gonna go through that um, real quickly. So um, basically what happened was we approved it to use our money. Now we're actually just confirming the transaction that we want to deposit with Harvest. So you can see it's about $12 to conduct that transaction. I'm just going to speed it up a little bit just for the sake of um, our interview here. So you would just click confirm when it pops up and now it's sending your money through. And again, yeah. those fees were all Ethereum network fees. This isn't something that's charged to Harvest. Um, it's just something that you need to pay to run these decentralized networks. Yeah, it's, a, it's um, an infrastructure fee. Yep, exactly. So now you're done. Now you're earning almost 7% on your US dollars. It was just a couple of clicks in the pop-up window. And look, boom, now you're all done. Now everything's <laughs> popped up. Your money's staked there. You're now earning on your, your money. Great. Um, so where would I kind of get an overview of where I'm earning? Or is it in your balance? Oh, is it right there? Yep. So you can see here, here's your, your, all your dollars deposited. Um, there's also um, like a dashboard here. So you can connect your wallet, kind of same thing. and just need mm -hmm. to tell it, connect over to MetaMask. And you can see now it's actually a little pop-up came up because this is my first time connecting it. So I'm just <laughs> telling it, yes, please connect. And now it should load some data here. Yeah, I think Firefox is like a little slow. It always has been. That's yeah, why I never use I it. But I always it, use yeah. it for demos. 
Exactly. I don't yeah. use it because like it's, it's there's, I can install something fresh and then demo without giving away my stuff. So now you can see. Um, oh, I don't think it's reading on that because it hasn't finished staking. Yeah, um, it'll just take some time. Over. But I think yeah, like people. Yeah, people kind of get it. Like, um, so like it it is like a I think a one click solution, and that's awesome. And that's basically like I think when somebody's getting started, what they can play around with. Obviously, not with like a huge amount of money, <laughs> but um, whatever you're willing to lose, I guess. Uh, you said that you wanted to kind of walk through the second point of view, which is using more I guess sophisticated yield farming strategies. Do you want to go into that a little bit? Sure. So. Um... One of the, um, the very cool things about decentralized finance um, is being able to um, like borrow um, without needing like credit, right? Mm -hmm. And so you still have to collateralize your borrow, but it allows you flexibility um, in using your assets. So um, say for instance, um, I have Ethereum in my wallet and in theory, I could deposit my Ethereum for 4.32%, right? But you're like, man, look at all these other great things here that I would rather do with my money, right? <laughs> like even if I had digital dollars, I could make more, but I don't want to sell my Ethereum because I, you know, I'm a diamond hand Ethereum holder, right? <laughs> I'm never going to sell my Ethereum, right? Well, there's these decentralized systems. So let's go to like um, Ave. And so what Aave allows you to do is um, this is a decentralized marketplace for um, borrowing on assets. So I could come here, deposit Ethereum, and they'll actually pay me, um, you know, just a very tiny amount on my Ethereum, but I could come and deposit some of these other assets and um, receive money just for providing liquidity um, to them. But I can deposit my Ethereum here not sell it, then I can go and borrow against that Ethereum wow. USDC coins up to 80% uh, um, value on that Ethereum. I do pay 3.28%, right? But if I'm making 6% um, here, that I'm actually making a net 3%, right? Mm -hmm. While still being able to diamond hand my Ethereum, and, you know, it's not the greatest example because it doesn't net greater than what you would earn here. But if you were to jump into some of these more advanced strategies, it yeah. would be way more, right? So I can actually walk through one of them if you want to. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Um, I think just before that, I would love to know how you personally manage like all these different concepts. Because like every single, I guess, yield you're doing, it's going to have its own um I guess like its own data and information that you'd have to manage for it to make sense for you. Are you just doing this on a spreadsheet or are you kind of like, is there like a different product that you're using? Yeah. Um, I mean, th there's a bunch of different um, products that you can use. Like me personally, I just, I, I've used spreadsheets forever. I used to yeah. work for a bank a long time ago. So to me, I'm a big spreadsheets Excel kind of guy. Um, yeah. But that is, it is kind of funny. Like there's sometimes I stumble upon a wallet. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> or I haven't been on this protocol in a while. And I, like I seriously found like a thousand dollars the other day. And like, You're like, oh, that is such a crypto story. It's like, yeah, man, I was just stumbling over like some wallets and I found like $10 million in there. Like, what do you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I wish. Right? <laughs> 
Um, All right. Yeah, yeah. Let's go into the next stage. Sure. Yeah, I don't know why. What's up with here? Let me refresh the page. I don't know why. Firefox Honestly, it's Firefox. Me. Firefox loves loves yeah, being slow. So, okay. So, um, so like I said, I have some Ethereum. I really don't like um, this percentage here. I really want um, this juicy USDN <laughs> stablecoin strategy. How do I get into that? So I'm laughing at that percentage. <laughs> <laughs> I know, ridiculous. right? So let's cut, we'll like, come, yeah, yeah. Sorry, go on. No, so no, go <laughs> so let, we'll come over here to Ave um, and we'll connect our wallet like we were doing before. And I tell my browser wallet, see a little pop up and say, yep, you're allowed to connect here and connect. All right. So now I need to deposit my Ethereum. So, um, you know, however much I want to deposit in there, I don't want to do maximum because I, I need some for transaction fees. So let's so let's do. They have the transaction fee right there at the bottom, right? So yeah, but I need some in of... my I need some in my oh. wallet for other transaction fees, right? Because that's it. that's one thing. No, you as a user, you never want to get like landlocked in your wallet, and not have and run out of gas. <laughs> it's happened to me, and I'm like, oh man, I feel so silly when that happens, right? So again, never hit that max button and not have any gas left over, even if they approximate how much gas it is in the total you'll leave yourself without any fees to get out of the protocol when you need to, right? Mm -hmm. so, um, so I'll deposit some here. So I'm gonna put some of my Ethereum. And again, this is very simple stuff, just very one click kind of deal, deposit. It's gonna give you your transaction fees. Um, I'll speed it up just so we can get it done. And so now it's just, it needs to clear the blockchain, which can take, you know, depending on how much I can do a really slow transaction and it can take an hour if I'm not in a hurry. I just sped it up. Hopefully that one should take care of itself in about 60 seconds or less, um, depending on how much traffic. So now ultimately it comes down to what do I want to borrow um, against? One of the risks here though is I'm borrowing against Ethereum at its current price. And I'm allowed to borrow, I believe, up to 80% against my Ethereum. The problem is if Ethereum suddenly drops in price, mm. now that borrowing ratio then goes way up. And now I may exceed that 80% and I can get liquidated. And yeah. now somebody, I pay a fee and I can lose a chunk of this money toward because of liquidation. So that's one thing you need to be careful on is, you know, never go in and, and get like 80% on your dollar. I, you know, I do 60% and there's actually um, graphs that show you what your health is. So that's kind of one thing you do need to monitor a little bit um, is how much you're borrowing against that Ethereum. So, um, so now I can come in and I want to borrow um, USD coin. And it tells me here the maximum I can borrow um, is 697 based on what I've deposited. Um, but again, it's on the way, way high end of the risk, meaning I can get um, liquidated. A lot of people like to keep their risk factor like way over here, um, you know, in the green. You know, some people like to live dangerously <laughs> over in this range. So, right. So, Each to their own. Um, yeah, exactly. So I'm just going to borrow, I'll borrow $400 um, here. And now it, you can pick um, between stable APY, which is 10%, but right now, because there's not a lot of borrowers on it, it's only 3%, but this can jump up to as high as 25%, right? So um, you can kind of make the choice. I'm just gonna do it short term. I'm gonna borrow on a variable APY, get rid of that. And so it's telling me um, once I borrow, 
I'll still have a decent health factor on borrowing on that Ethereum. So I'll just go ahead and borrow. Again, I got to pay some transactions fees each time. That's why it's important to keep um, Ethereum in your wallet to make sure you're interacting with this network. You got enough to pay for it. You kind of have to manage the amount of fees that go to the network and how much you'll be yielding over a certain amount of time, right? Like I can probably because, see, yeah, go on. Yeah, I was going to say like on Ethereum, and this is why some of these projects are jumping over to a polygon because the, the transaction that you just saw cost $14 would cost half a penny on yeah. polygon, right? Wow. And so these yeah. dollar amounts that I'm doing right now, yes, they do not justify the cost. Like, because ultimately I'm probably going to end up paying like $100 in fees here on $400 worth of deposits, right? It's not really worth to pay 25% <laughs> of cost and fees, right? Um, but again, I'm just kind of doing this for a demo sake. Yeah, we um, appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, sure. Thank you, sir. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now I have, now it approved it. And actually now it kicked me um, USDC over to my wallet. I already had some in there, but just for the sake, I borrowed USDC and this amount. So this is the amount that it actually kicked over and you can see it on the blockchain. Come on. Firefox, oh. come on, man. Oh, dude, I know, We're man. waiting. So, <laughs> I'm Google Chrome guy all the way. I don't know what the heck is going on. Chrome Seriously. all the way, yeah. It's all good. Like, I think people kind of understand okay. it. Um, so, the, yeah, if you click here, it'll actually show you the, the what actually happened on the blockchain, like a receipt, basically. And it's saying, yeah. yep, here's the money. So that money is actually sitting in my wallet now. Okay. But this is USDC. And this cool strategy over here requires USDN, right? Mm -hmm. So I actually need to go now get this token. So this is actually belongs to uh, a protocol called Curve, a decentralized yeah. exchange, right? And you can actually hear if you hover over this vault details button, it'll tell you like, hey, this is how you, um, you know, get this token. So I can actually go to click that link, go to Curve. Is this why it's called farming? Because you kind of have to like pick things. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, like you, you have to plant seeds, right? Yeah. So what I'm doing is planting liquidity. And then over time, the rewards crops kind of grows. But yeah, you have to kind of pick and choose what you're going to do. And, and it's a great analogy because some crops are harder to grow than others. But the really hard ones to grow are actually more expensive in the marketplace. And so you get more money for them because of the risk that you're putting into them, right? So, um, so here, now we're just ultimately changing our USDC into a different type of digital dollar. Mm. This isn't sold directly at Coinbase, right? Like this is kind of like down the rabbit hole, like hardcore decentralized <laughs> dollar, right? Whereas like the Coinbase US digital dollar you bought is issued by Coinbase. It is yeah. a centralized digital dollar. These other platforms like DAI, this is a straight up Somebody wrote a program and started issuing digital dollars and there's no, you know, top secret puppet string master behind the scenes, right? Yeah. So that's why you can't buy this on a Coinbase because it's not like in a sense like a regulated dollar, right? So like, again, go down the rabbit hole we go. So we want to make the decision. Okay, well, you know, uh, Ave kicked me $411. So I want to do $411 into this uh, platform. Here I would click deposit. 
going back to the question, just like you asked at Harvest Finance, what happens if you click this stake box here? If I click this button and tell it to stake, mm -hmm. it would lock the coins into the Curve ecosystem and I could not bring them back to Harvest Finance. So I specifically need to say, no, I only want to deposit with you. That's going to give What me would be the benefit action. of like, you know, I guess like staking within an ecosystem? Like, so why that's would somebody when you're the solo that? farmer. That, uh, because this is, yeah, so this is when you believe, like, so if I deposit and stake, it's going to give me CRV tokens. Um, oh, I got it. So, so it's like when you're like, yeah. I really love this project. I want to earn, you know, tokens from this project. Then I would stake in that project to get more of those tokens. Exactly. And okay. so again, that's where you have to understand then where you're not getting APY at that point, you're only getting APR because you're mm. making the decision to hold on to the tokens separately from your 411. We're making the choice to go back to Harvest to sell the reward tokens and to grow this beyond $411. Got it. Yep. That's amazing. Like I'm just so impressed by how far this has all come and like, um, you know, it's, it seems as though like a lot of these projects are talking with one another, which is really great to see. Yep. Oh, hasn't hit the blockchain yet. We're just waiting. So yeah, so just have to wait a little bit for the transaction to clear. But ultimately then what we're going to come back to do is now once I've deposited here, this system's taking my money and it kicks me back a receipt in a sense or another mm. token. And it's basically called like curve... USDN token, right? And, yeah. and Harvest kind of lists it right here, right? CRV USDN. So now once that actually clears the blockchain and hits my wallet, it's going to pop up here and say, okay, you now have this and you click deposit. Oh, and there it goes. And so this should, oh wait, no, that was the approval, my bad. So now we need to push it through. Look at these fees, see? Would you say that you can minimize the fees by like staking essentially, and then like grabbing that? Well, I mean, again, if you if you want to sell whatever you've staked, would that be like an easier way to minimize the fees? Well, the, the the best way to minimize the fees is like you have initial, and that that's the benefit of using this aggregator than versus like going yourself, right? Like you, when I showed you the the one click solution um, with that USDC. That's basically like, there's like two fees. I think it, may, it was maybe like $20 total. Mm. Um, so very inexpensive, right? Um, you know, for this, because you're interacting with multiple platforms. Now we're, we're essentially interacting with three platforms. We deposit with Aave, then we deposit with Curve, and now we're coming back to finance or Harvest Finance. So you're tripling your fees there in order to get a much larger percentage. So you know, if I were just to go to curve directly, my percentage may be a little bit lower. And then I would have to do additional steps to do that compounding myself to actually achieve an, an APY percentage, right? So that's why it's so much better. You know, ultimately, if you just want to grow your digital dollars or grow your stack of Ethereum and you don't care about the CRV token or, you know, that project's token, it's better to use an aggregator. Yeah. Okay. That makes a little sense. All right. So... Let's see. In the, um, just for anybody that's listening to this on the podcast, like please uh, feel free to go on to Prosper Podcast on YouTube where you can see this demo. Um, we will be like fast forwarding through like the wait time that Firefox is making us do. Um, <laughs> just so it's like you get like a smoother 
uh, I guess, experience. But I have been on Harvest Finance before and I definitely didn't experience any of this. So I definitely think it's just a browser issue. Um, but yeah, it, it seems like a quite an easy thing to do. Like what would you, yep. well, I mean, it's either, so you, yeah, go on, sorry. Oh, sorry. So yeah, so you can see now um, that 300 and we got the receipt back from Curve, all those transactions yeah. cleared. And that now just it's automated, reading. right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. What, yeah. Once, yep. And so I just had to refresh it. Sometimes you have to poke the, the UX a little bit, but yeah, you can see 100% was populated in there. So I'm just going to say, okay, now deposit it now. Unfortunately, you got to go through all these little approvals. Anytime you use a new currency and you interact with something new on the blockchain, you always have to give it approval. Again, this is decentralized systems. And these systems don't know who you are, or who your wallet is. So you're basically giving, signing off and saying, yes, you're allowed to take $397 out of my wallet, right? Um, so again, there, there is a little bit of fees. And that's the what I was mentioning earlier is what scaling needs to occur on Ethereum. We need to get rid of like these traffic bottlenecks, which are causing these higher fees. And there are these other chains right now that have kind of solved the solutions a little bit. Uh-oh, why did it tell me there's an error? Maybe because of the fee aspect? Oh, no, it went through. It may just be a UX thing. That's all right. Yeah, I I really, um, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to try this myself as well. Um, and I think it's pretty self-explanatory to the point that you can. And you have such a great, um, you know, amount of resources that you've created for people to kind of follow along. Um, but yeah, like, would you say, like, what would be like your last comments on this? Would you, you know, is it something that people should get involved in? Like, what do you think? Oh, here we go. It just had to unjam there for a second. Sorry yeah. about that, guys. No, you okay. can just fast forward through that. So basically <laughs> you did that approval and then now you're just telling it to, yes, actually process the transaction. Now it's going to go through. Um, you know, for me, you know, I'm always very like, do your own research, right? Like there's so many resources, like you said, um, out there about yield farming. Um, we have a great resource, this wiki um, I can provide a link for. I mean, this walks through so much different information about what is yield farming, all these very cool articles, um, frequently asked questions, um, let me jump over here, um, plug a bunch of different articles that I've written because I like to write on an amateur <laughs> level. Um, so there's some very cool stuff that talks about, you know, specifically harvest finance and why and APYs and all that different stuff. But, you know, you know, this stuff is risky and, you know, I can't stress that enough, but again, the opportunity is there and there are a lot of, you know, safe-ish ways to do it, like using an aggregator like Harvest Finance um, to help, you know, cut out some of the sketchier things that may be out there, right? You know, again, $300 million um, within here, we've reached a billion dollars at like the mega high point of the bull market. Um, so, you know, we've almost been here for a year. So, you know, a lot of trustability built up, um, you know, interacting with these systems like Curve Finance are already there. Don't be allured by the, you know, the snake oil salesman in the world, <laughs> you know, Elon Musk talking about Dogecoin <laughs> or whatever, right? And, you know, really there's no intrinsic value to Dogecoin. Um, 
But again, a lot of people are getting burned by just rushing into some coin because, oh, you know, Elon Musk told me to do it. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, I would just tell everybody, you know, educate yourselves before you kind of roll down the rabbit hole. But if you want to kind of take a, you know, dip your toe into the crypto markets, then doing something like um, just getting some U.S. dollar coins um, from Coinbase, coming to Harvest.Finance and doing that, you know, simple dollar type in the dollar amount that you had click deposit and boom we were earning a thousand dollars at seven percent and you can walk away you know for a year and not worry about it because this is a completely automated system high powered savings account right and then just like i showed you if you can just take a couple extra steps like how long have we really been talking here 10 15 minutes in this demo i was i did a couple simple clicks of deposit my ethereum borrow four hundred dollars Harvest Finance shot me over to a link where mm -hmm. I just clicked deposit here, did a couple more clicks, walked back to Harvest, a couple more clicks, and now I'm earning 40%, right? 20 times more than what I can do here or whatever it is, right? So, you know, again, the rabbit hole isn't too complex. You know, you just kind of have to get a feel for it and really appreciate those risks. Understand that Harvest Finance could implode on itself at any point, right? There was a, <laughs> a hack, you know, six weeks into our lifetime because there was one little mistype within the code that um, a hacker went around hitting all the big name projects, mm. right? So now since then, multiple audits have come out. Things have been refined. Um, we've recovered since then. But again, even the gold standards like YFI, Harvest Finance, a lot of very well-known projects have been hit by hackers because this is very cutting edge technology and it's extremely hard to predict when you're connecting and, and doing these composabilities with different projects, what is gonna be the reaction, right? So just wanna stress that to people that, you know, if you're gonna bring in your $1,000, please don't let it be little Johnny's fun, <laughs> but these are very cool you know, sustainable numbers. Hopefully I've tried to explain to you where these numbers come from and why they're sustainable, why they're just not fake and disappearing into the night. I mean, again, Harvest Finance has been here for almost a year. So if somebody was sitting in one of these strategies for the past year, one of these simple strategies that we've had for a long time, they've made 40% on their money, yeah. right? And the year that we've existed. So it's not fake. You've made the money. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I, I really like that you've been explaining this with a word of caution. Obviously, everybody should do their own research, but this is where I think the most interesting stuff happens. Like if you start now, you're going to be able to see this progress over time um, and it's only going to get like safer and more sophisticated over time for, um, you know, the the newer user. So thank you so much, Red, for going through all of this. I can't appreciate it enough. What's the best way for somebody to get in contact with you or learn more? So one of the coolest things I think about Harvest Finance is um, I'm sure, you know, maybe your user have heard about DAOs, decentralized autonomous organizations. Um, and that's kind of like what Harvest Finance is. You know, some people wrote some code. Um, they still continue to support that code today. 
But there's other things within this ecosystem, like say customer service, talking on a podcast, showing you know users how to interact with the system or swap between different currencies, how to market when we have new strategies come out. Like this is a almost like full entire thriving business, right? Like so you almost think about it like again with this this farming analogy, right? Like <laughs> this is a commune where everybody is pitching in to help. Um, support the success of this farm. Red is a dude, a, a guy just wandered off the street saying, Hey, Harvest Finance sounds like a really cool project. <laughs> Can I help out? And now all of a sudden, you know, I'm speaking on podcasts. We have guys that um, are strategy writers. Again, not the core developers who launched this product who are anonymous. These are just other guys who showed up in chat and said, I have this skill set. This artwork you come on here comes from us soliciting in competitions various artwork um, for our project. So, you know, Harvest Finance is so very cool. And ultimately what I'm coming in a roundabout way to is I invite everybody to come to like our Discord server, chat server, where we have like almost like 30 rooms, like five different um, international languages, non-English um, speaking channels, um, where we just try to reach out and share, you know, not only can you deposit your money with Harvest Finance, you can actually like deposit your talents, right? Mm -hmm. And and we pay developers um, to come help us out, right? We pay people to help tell us where the new cool cutting edge farms are, um, to help set up collaborations with other projects, right? So, you know, come be part of this commune and you know hang out with us in addition to hey if you want to make you know potentially some good money on some you know funds that you had sitting on your mattress well let's get them in digital dollars and come join the digital revolution right so you know definitely come check out the discord check out our wiki to learn more and then yeah come to harvestfinance.com or harvest.finance and hopefully you've kind of seen how easy it is you know just us dollars come click and you're making your 7%, or as you can see here now, a couple more steps, we're now making 40% on our money. I love it. Thank you so much, Red. Uh, I hope to have you on Prosper Podcast again soon. I would love it. Thank you so much for the opportunity.